everybody. Welcome to the 11th Hour, a podcast for change from NewJersey11.org. On this show, we'll be discussing the issues facing the 11th District of New Jersey as it races towards the next important election of 2018 and beyond. We're going to be joined monthly by concerned citizens of the 11th, members of Action Group New Jersey 11 for Change, as well as hopefully possible candidates running for office, community leaders, and the likes. My name is Mike. I'm your host. And today we're joined by our panel of three guests who I'm going to introduce to you right now. First, lifetime resident of Pompton Lakes, freelance artist, musician, and active member of numerous organizations such as the Citizens for a Clean Pompton Lakes, Pompton Lakes Residents for Environmental Integrity, and the Pompton Lakes Community Advisory Group, who, along with many others, was part of a class action lawsuit against the DuPont Corporation back in the early 2000s, Jefferson H. LaSala. How you doing, sir? It, um, I'm doing well, thank you. All right. How you doing? Fantastic. I'm good. <laughs> All right, let me see if I can butcher this name. Up next, <laughs> formal ca- former councilwoman of the borough of Pompton Lakes, where she was the liaison to, amongst others, Municipal Alliance, easy for me to say, Department of Public Works, and Board of Education. She was also a former top administrator for the Department of Defense, where she served under five different lieutenant colonels and is now the founder of the Citizens for a Clean Pompton Lakes, where she serves as executive director, receiving such honors as the 2009 Edison Wetlands Association Environmental Award for Outstanding Efforts. Congratulations. Thank you. Lisa Riggiola, how you doing? Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And finally, the big man, current director of Environment New Jersey, a citizen-based environmental advocacy, advocacy project of Environmental America, He's worked on a number of highly important environmental issues facing our state, including campaigns to protect New Jersey's waterways from fracking waste, very important there, cleaning up New Jersey's air, the expansion of solar in the state, offshore wind and energy efficiency, and fighting against the expansion of fossil fuel projects. He's also run successful campaigns to protect some of the state's largest reservoirs and rivers from development close to their banks, as well as federal efforts to reinstate the federal Superfund tax. We're going to get into that. He serves on the boards for the Work Environment Council, Environment America, and the Environmental Endowment for New Jersey. When do you have time to do anything, sir? (laughs) Recognized by the EPA Region 2 with an Environmental Quality Award in 2012, Mr. Doug O'Malley. How are you doing, sir? Doing all right. Glad Uh, to be here. Thank you guys so much. Hey, quick, three guesses what we're going to talk about today. Mm. (laughs) The environment? I'm going to say the environment. I'm going to say the environment. (laughs) I was very excited to, to get on board with this subject because this is one of those what do they what do they say like when voters have one topic they vote about what do they call that single issue voters single issue voters this is one of my single issues i have a couple of them this is one of them our state is no stranger to environmental issues obviously the epa as a whole has kind of been under siege a lot lately since since the election but also a little bit before that too we're at kind of a crossroads here where we've had some major climate events that have kind of called a lot of this a lot of science into question and what else what do we else we got to do to prove to you that we have some environmental issues that we have to take care of and our state is kind of known for having a a bad track record when it comes to the environment doug i'm i'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say as far as like when we talk about what what we're what we're doing and where we're making headway Mm -hmm. um because it's it's something that's very concerning to all of us and and uh, jefferson and and lisa you guys are here to 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 really when we talk about uh we're going to be talking about pompton lakes as a whole and uh, the issue going on there with the uh, DuPont Corporation has been going on for decades at this point, and really kind of a microcosm of our, our state as a whole and, our, and the issues of our state as a whole, but also a very good blueprint for anywhere else in this country. It really is the poster child, as you said, for elsewhere in the country where things like this is, are probably happening. So I'm glad to kind of talk about the environment of our state in general, and then kind of get a little bit more specific when we talk about Pompton Lakes. So we really need to be vigilant when it comes to attacks from our world around us. The past several years, though, our congressman has had many bills come his way regarding the environment, and of course his vote affects what what happens to our environment. Absolutely. And it affects thousands of people, and and not only our district, but the entire country. Just recently, just recently over the past couple of years, here are a few of the bills that have come across Rodney Freelingheisen's desk regarding the environment and how he has voted in each, each of these bills. <clears throat> I do the radio thing, right? For shuffle papers. <laughs> makes it sound important. Okay. HR 897, the Zika Vector Control Act. Remember Zika? Remember that whole thing? Mm-hmm. Yes. He voted yes to this. The vote was to pass a bill that repeals environmental regulations on the use of pesticides in waterways. HR 1430, 
the Honest and Open New EPA Science Treatment Act of 2017. He voted yes to this. This is a this is a vote to pass a bill that prohibits the EPA from proposing any action or regulation that uses science which is not publicly available. H.R. 953, Reducing Regulatory Burdens Act of 2017, voted yes to this. Vote to pass a bill that prohibits the requirement of a permit to spray pesticides into navigable waters. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. What a guy. Wow. H.R. <laughs> 806, the Ozone Standards Implementation Act of 2017. He voted yes. This was a vote to pass a bill delaying the compliance date for ground-level ozone standards and increases the interval period for all air pollutant criteria found in the Clean Air Act from 5 to 10 years. So basically, they had a five-year window that they wanted to get mm -hmm. these ozone levels uh, depleted. They He voted yes to delay that another five years. H.R. 218, the King Cove Road Land Exchange, voted yes on this. Vote to pass a bill allowing for the construction of a road through the Eisenbeck National Wildlife Refuge. And H.R. 5708, Waters of the United States Regulatory Overreach Protection Act of 2014, voted yes to this. Vote to pass a bill that prohibits the Environmental Protection Agency from implementing the scope of waters covered under the Clean Water Act. So defining what waters could be described as protected by the EPA. These are just a few of them, because like I said, you, you go online, you search for Rodney and his stance on the environment, and it shows up real quick exactly what his voting record is. And I tried to be fair. I really did. I <laughs> tried to find a couple where he was like, thumbs up on the environment, and this is what I found. Do you, if you guys feel, and, and from your knowledge as well, the congressman has made positive or negative effects on our district's environment as all. Well, I just wanted to jump in first, Mike. Do it. To thank you for kind of doing the research yeah, uh, sure. on this and, and digging digging into the record. Um, <laughs> but I think we need to kind of look at this holistically, not just on one congressional member's voting record. Sure. But sure. just where the environment stands right now amongst not only the public here in New Jersey, but also nationally. Because what we're seeing with the Trump administration, with this president, and with the budget he's proposed to EPA is really, it's not just beyond the pale, it's trying to wipe away EPA's ability to do its job. It would be, it's the largest cuts in history for the agency. It would go back to its funding levels when it was founded more wow. than 45 years ago. Oh this isn't just a question of, oh, do we fund a, a agency or do we cut it a little bit? It's whether the EPA can continue to do its job. <laughs> And, and what we've seen from the public is really resounding because the public across all parties are against these cuts, not just in New Jersey, but everywhere. This is a clear moment where the president and the budget he's proposed for EPA is out of step with what the public thinks. And certainly here in New Jersey, and when we think about our kind of representatives in New Jersey, it didn't used to matter whether you had an R or a D mm -hmm. next to your name. You, you were there to protect the environment because New Jersey has had a legacy of pollution that has affected so many generations. And what we've seen, of course, is that not just in, in D.C., but even in the Trenton State House, the environment, unfortunately, has become more polarized. And so on each of, of these votes that you referenced, the vast majority of New Jersey residents would say, yes, we should do what's right to protect the environment. We should not pollute it more. Unfortunately, this Congress has not taken that tact. And we have not seen a unified response from New Jersey's delegation. Instead, too many times, Congressman Freeland Eisen, his record has not been to stand up for the environment. And he's not just any congressman. He is the big cheese in terms of being the head of the House Appropriations Committee. Yeah. This is where they make those money decisions. Right. He's the guy running it. The EPA budget went through his committee he said, look, I'm going to stand up against these cuts. It's only going to be $500 million uh, to EPA. That's not a win, I think, in most people's minds. And this is, I think, the, the moment for the public to remind the congressman that cutting environmental protections is not a winning issue here in New Jersey. He calls it a win because he's increasing the Superfund dollars. But he, at the same time, he hasn't really made any declarative promises that he's going to stand against that. If the, any kind of cuts, any, any kind of super, uh, yeah. super fund cuts in the final budget process, correct? Th that's right. So the House Appropriations Committee proposed a budget, and the House just, you know, because obviously of these climate disasters we've seen in the last few weeks, and we're, it's hard to know kind of where to look to right now. Is right. it the Virgin yeah. Islands? Is it Puerto Rico? Is it millions of, of families in, in Florida? Is it the millions of 
of affected communities across the Caribbean. Uh, you Mexico, know, it, Mexico is it the fires in Montana yeah, yeah. and California. California. I mean, it's really yeah. the, the it's it's insane the amount of things that have been going on just in the past month alone in regards to the environment in gigantic weather events, but then also man-made things when it comes to the amount of fires that we've had alone is yeah. just insane. And so this is really the moment where we talk about science, right? All of us knew the eclipse was coming. We got ready. We watched it. It happened. That's the sort of certainty we have on climate science as well. <laughs> so, and, and we're starting to see those, those impacts. The ocean temperature is a lot warmer than it used to be. And we're also coming up to the five-year anniversary of Sandy. And again, that's a storm that was intensified because of warmer temperatures. Remember, Sandy hit in late October. Yeah, it, you I know, know I got married a week later. Oh, <laughs> good timing, yeah, good timing. Yeah. So the irony is, you know, the House actually passed a continuing resolution for the budget because of these disasters from Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma. But the reality is we are not at a point where our congressional leaders, including Congressman Freelandheisen, have come out and said that there's no way the Trump budget cuts are going to happen on EPA. That's really what we're looking for. We're looking for leadership and for the congressman to put his district first yeah. and to speak out against these cuts. The amount of rhetoric that gets thrown around is just insane to me when it comes to something as simple as this. This, this shouldn't be that hard of an issue or that partisan of an issue to back the world around you, to want clean air, to want clean water. Have we gotten to a point where our corporations and are people pulling the purse strings just that much? Absolutely. Where, that without a at? doubt. Without yes, a doubt. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we've, we've been, Lisa and I have been working on the Pompton Lakes issue for almost a decade. And I can tell you, speaking with the chiefs of staff from Senator Lautenberg, Senator Menendez, Congressman Pascrell, before our district was gerrymandered, and we ended up with Freelingheisen, who has done literally nothing to help Pompton Lakes <laughs> since, talking to all of their chiefs of staff, to, uh, Senator Booker as well. And Lisa, you can back me up on this. Every single one of them has said the same thing at one point or another, which is that the laws have no teeth. The EPA is trying to do its job and it can't do its job because the laws have no teeth. So if anything, the EPA is more challenged by the way that the things are set up now. On top of that, they, you know, in 1994, they passed the bill that basically stopped funding the EPA through taxing corporate polluters, which is where the money really should come from because they're the ones responsible for the problem, they don't want to go back to a time where they're actually footing the bill for it. And so they profit in the billions of dollars while our communities suffer. We need the EPA to be strengthened, not weakened. The EPA in our town is extremely challenging to work with because they are trying to cut corners left and right in order to appease the polluter, which is not the way to go. It should be the opposite way around. You should be doing everything that you can to protect the residents' health and to protect the environment. I mean, these politicians, what I don't understand is don't they don't they swear an oath that they're there to protect their constituents? It makes no sense to me that they that they continue to allow this for the sake of profit. It's a, a really hard situation with Congressman Freelandheisen in New Jersey and actually on a national level. I believe that there is a, a plan to try to destroy the EPA. Yeah. And I think that's coming down from the Trump administration. I know firsthand that the congressman, I met with him about our situation. And when you ask a congressman who's supposed to represent all his constituents to look into something and he says he promised he will and then never follows up with you, you have to wonder, especially when you know what a good congressman does to represent you. And I had that experience too when our former congressman, Bill Pascrell, brought Lisa Jackson, the former EPA administrator, two Pompton Lakes, and we had a meeting. See, now, and that's something that's uh, interesting, you know, from what you say. You know, you, you always understand that the fact that th- it's just one person, right? And there's so right. many constituents in your district, no right. matter if it's gerrymandered or not. Right. There's so many people in your district, so every wish and concern from from citizens, it's going to take time to, to even respond to them all, right? But just something, something like bringing the head of the EPA here, that, that seems to be well, above and, and beyond and what it should be. Right. And their staffers I mean, were always at our meetings religiously till 2011, whether it be from Senator Lautenberg's office, Senator Menendez's office, or Con- the three of them yeah. normally were routinely, when we went to EPA in Region 2, they were there with us. I think his website is nothing but malarkey. <laughs> I don't believe he in, he cares hey, hey, about hey. our environment. Stop throwing those $3 words. No. Yeah. Okay. I don't. <laughs> believe he he cares about our environment i don't see anything he's done and the one thing the congressman forgets is all of his constituents and himself we don't have clean water to drink or air to breathe or soil to plant food 
We can't pay taxes. Well, we can't. <laughs> we can't survive. A yeah. human, the human race cannot survive. We are number one when it comes to having more Superfund sites than any state in the in the whole country. Really, I did yeah. not know yes. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Doug, you seem to have your finger on the pulse here a little bit when it comes to the EPA and what what is going on in our state. We have a ton of issues, and it's it's hard to kind of pinpoint one that you really want to like get to. But let me just rattle off a couple: Un- unhealthy air quality, protecting open space and farmland, stopping sprawl. We're the most densely populated state in the country. But at the same time, we're the most densely populated state. But I always say that New Jersey's slogan should be, what do you want? Because what do you want? We got it. You want farms? We got it. What do you want? You want a city? We got it. What do you want? You want a shore? We got it. What do you want? That's great. The beach. Yeah, the beach. beach. You got it. Uh, Pines. Yeah, right. Exactly. Forests. We got it. The mountains. Converting to a cleaner running fleet of vehicles. That would be great. Uh, These are just some of the larger environmental issues facing our state. What do you think we actually are making headway on? Let's let's talk about a little good news, maybe. What do you think we're actually making headway on? What do you feel that are some solutions that are working? Well, I mean, I think that the things that have been working are then on the state level, especially has been on clean energy. You know, if you said 15 years ago that we'd see solar and have it be commonplace, most people would say, oh, that's never going to happen. Yeah. Well, you know, now you see it on the local 7-Eleven. <laughs> and we have more than 70,000 solar installations here in the state. You, 15 years ago, you said, oh, you're going to have an electric vehicle that's going to be faster than a Porsche and it's not going to acquire an ounce of oil. You'd say, oh, that's science fiction. Well, guess what? You know, not only do you have Teslas out there, you, you're increasingly getting cars like the Chevy Bolt, yeah. which is a car, you know, essentially for the average man and woman that can get us around without being dependent upon oil. So increasingly, we're seeing clean energy technology take off. We would like to be farther. So New Jersey has the largest potential for offshore wind in the nation, and we have not fulfilled yes. that potential. Other states have taken the lead, including Rhode Island. And so we have started to see progress, but unfortunately, we can't forget about the impacts on our core environmental values. And that's the air we breathe, it's the water we drink, and then it's the land that's around us. You know, we have made progress, but there are still too many contaminants in our drinking water that aren't being regulated. There are too many days in the summertime that it's unhealthy for asthmatics or elderly citizens to go outside. Yeah. You know, and we have Jeez. close to 800,000 people that are asthmatics, including our governor. We've come a long way, but we still have a lot of work to do. Kind of wrap up by talking a little bit about toxic sites in the state and the importance of having a robust EPA to ensure that we have a Superfund program that works. Because right now, it's been 20 years since a Superfund tax was in place. Lois Gibbs went around knocking on doors in Love Canal, up in upstate New York in the late 70s, she was doing it because she was worried about her kids and about the quality of the drinking water. And she had no idea that the path she was starting on was to create a national program that would force polluters to pay to clean up polluted sites. And that was a program that worked and was incredibly successful. And the Superfund program continues to work, but it's a lot harder now because everyone has to fight on who's going to get the cleanup and is that cleanup going to be funded at the right level. And so what we've seen is that it's been a little bit like a game of Survivor or the Hunger Games where the EPA is forced to pick which sites are we going to put on the national priority list. And we'll talk about Pompton Lakes later. Like Pompton Lakes should be on there and it's not. And then what sort of cleanup are we going to have? So the Ringwood site, it was off the national priority list and then it was back on. But is the Ringwood site going to get the cleanup that it deserves? There's a lot of people in Ringwood that would say no. The EPA is not giving the full cleanup that that site deserves. And part of the pressure, of course, is that to do things right, it costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And when you are not holding polluters accountable through the Superfund tax, it gets harder to do that. For every step forward we've had, there's still a lot of work to do. You always think about the end game, right? Especially when a Superfund site needs to be cleaned up. Who says it's done? Is it the EPA? Hey, this is clean. It's over. Is that how that works? Pretty much. As far as I know. That's right. Okay. Here's the thing that bugs me, though, about that, right? So a Superfund site is cleaned up when the EPA says it's cleaned up. But yet on the other side, you have somebody that's running the EPA that doesn't want to run the EPA. 
it doesn't it wants to take it out. So where do you say, hey, it is it is cleaned up, or let's leave this guy. Well, well, one of the problems with Ringwood is the fact that it was on the priority list, then it wasn't, then they put it back. But now that it's back on, again, with the, the EPA is being cut in terms of funding. Right. They were already on the path of making a decision that was going to go in not in favor of what the residents were looking for. Like Pompton Lakes, they've been dealing with this for decades and decades. And so now the answer is to just put a Band-Aid on it? Yeah, but right. it really doesn't have anything to do with the EPA budget cut. In reality, maybe it does in a roundabout way. But Ford is the responsible party. So is the borough of Ringwood. They're fighting that every step of the way because the borough wants to move a recycling center to part of the toxic site. So well, it's a game. This is kind of the classic example of where small town politics don't always protect all of the residents Absolutely. in that town. Yes. And so we cannot depend upon a mayor. We cannot certainly depend upon the company. We can't depend upon one entity. And this is where EPA is the independent arbiter, and it's supposed to come in and do its job. And what you reference, Mike, is that we have an administrator of EPA, Scott Pruitt, that wants to dismantle EPA. Right. He talks about making Superfund work better. And the question is, for whom? It doesn't make any sense to me because it seems like we're turning to this organization to give us the gold stamp that it's okay, but at the same time, their views may be skewed because they want to cut corners because they want to look good or because, like you said, he wants to just straight up dismantle it, which just seems like it doesn't make sense. You're burning the candle at both ends. And even before you get to that point where you're dismantling it, you have now taken away a ton of personnel and the money that it would take in order to really do the scientific studies properly. I mean, a lot of the things that the EPA does, what their job is, if they don't have the money and they don't have the manpower to do it, whether you gut them completely or not, whether you eradicate the EPA or not, you're basically making them unable to do their job. Right. The bottom line is that the environment suffers and the citizens of this country suffer. And the people who then are benefiting from that are the corporate polluters themselves. The EPA, the purpose of it is to basically keep those people in check. So we're kind of at cross purposes here. We're doing the exact opposite of what we should be doing. And it's really insane to me because, again, it just seems like, and I don't want to like paint a white hat, black hat on people, but it just seems to me that like anybody that is involved with the EPA or anybody that works for the EPA has this underlying gut sensation of I just want to make sure that the planet is good for people to live in. It's a very it's supposed to be it's a very way. noble it's it seems right. like just like a very noble place to yes. be. You know what I mean? It's just like a noble stance to have. And then you have somebody in that get gets thrown in as the leader who says, nah, we don't need this. Well, that's what? why we need a strong congressman. I have this little saying that, you know, we don't need cowards as leaders. We need brave, courageous leaders. I think we're lacking that right now. I mean, especially now when you have the Trump administration, you need a congressman that's going to go head to head for you yeah. to get you what you need as a state. Am I making sense? No, that's, that's exactly right. And I think what we're missing in politics right now is leaders that are able to be independent. And so when we see an EPA budget that has a tax against science, the research and development budget at EPA, the Trump administration is proposing a nearly 50% cut. You talk about how to make EPA independent and have the best available science. They can't do that if that budget goes forward. And so this is clearly a, a moment of conscience for Congressman Frelinghuysen to do whatever he can to oppose these cuts. Absolutely. And, and right now, that moment of conscience is latest vote was saying, hey, you know, a $500 million cut, that's not so bad. It, it is. It's all about re-election to these people. It's become that way. And, and, you know, I'm a former politician, but at a low level. But I know that I did my best job. I won a primary. I didn't get reelected, but I'm proud of who I am because I made the contamination issue a priority because I know I've lost friends from cancer and stuff. If you get elected, you should do the best darn job you can. People are worrying more about themselves than the people that elected them, and that's the problem. I always say, and I said this in the the last podcast we had, whenever we said, oh, well, what party are you for? I said, I'm for the decency party. Like, have a a little bit of empathy. Like, that's it. Just a little bit of empathy from our leaders to understand that, you know, people are suffering. And just like we were saying, this this entire Pompton Lakes issue is, is a nice benchmark and blueprint for a lot of these uh, sites across the country. So... What are we talking about? Because we've been we've been mentioning this a ton now, and I, I want to get into this now. If you don't know, Pompton Lakes and DuPont, there's been a whole big issue going on with them since, well, since the early 1900s. It's become a pressing issue for the citizens of Pompton Lakes and the surrounding areas. The, the DuPont Corporation had a munitions plant 
that was active from 1902 to 1994. They made gunpowder, they made blasting caps, they made a whole bunch of stuff for the World War One. They also, um, I think, either designed or created the process by which coins are... Um, they cladded. Set, yeah, it's, it's called cladding. It's a process where they use explosives to basically sandwich metals together in order to make coins. They not only developed that in, in our town, but, uh, you know, we were subject to uh, a lot of the explosions going on while we were growing up. Wow. Yeah. Did not know that either. Mm-hmm. So subsequently, because of all that blowing up things, they polluted the 600-acre site as well as the surrounding areas with toxic seepage in the soil, air, and groundwater of lead and mercury. The health and, and environment concerns began as far back as the 1970s. And since then, as they've seen a $38.5 million lawsuit brought forth. Uh, reports of increased cancer rates for people who lived in the plume, as it's now known. And more recently, DuPont created a subsidiary company called, is it called Camors? Camors. 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 Whose sole responsibility is to clean up the Pompton Lakes works and other contaminated sites. They have said that this process would take 20 years to complete and have exceeded that deadline by a few years at this point, as almost two-thirds of the affected area has yet to be cleaned up. Because of this, several community-based citizens groups, such as yourselves, have formed, urging locals, state, and the federal government to add a sense of urgency to DuPont's cleanup efforts and create a healthy environment for the borough of Pompton Lakes and its surrounding areas affected by this monumental environmental issue. So, my first question is, for our local listeners, how far-reaching is the plume, as they say? This is, uh, this is the contaminated area... That is of the greatest concern where the uh, it's the it's the ground seepage, right? It's this is or no, I'm sorry. It's the air mitigation. That's the, that's the well, part. what happened was the uh, Lisa, you could talk about this more effectively than me. But basically contaminated wastewater from the DuPont Corporation was leaching underground and then uh, contaminating the groundwater. And then the groundwater moved under 450 homes. And that number is actually apparently negotiable. The EPA will now tell you that it's like 172 because they change the levels of acceptable contamination. It's a very hot button issue. But essentially, we were told in June of 2008, that the contaminated groundwater under our homes was capable of vaporizing, and that the gas then coming up from that could seep through the ground and up into the cracks in our basements, and that we needed to put in what was called a vapor mitigation system, which is essentially like a radon system. It's a, it's a pipe that goes from the ground and up uh, the side of your house and up over your house, and then they're taking the gases out of the ground and putting them, them up into the air. That was the remedy, supposedly. It's not it's not a guarantee. It doesn't get rid of it 100%. Um, there are problems with the systems themselves. Contaminants then go into the air. I mean, Lisa Jackson, who, who Lisa mentioned earlier, went on Bill Maher probably the year after that she came to Pompton Lakes or a couple of years after. And one of the things that she said was that the third leading cause of death in the United States is air pollution. How then is it okay to take the contaminant out of the ground and just putting, putting it up into the air? <laughs> I mean, they say, oh, well, it'll, it'll dissipate, then it'll be fine. Okay, so we're taking already contaminated air because we live in New Jersey and a lot of the air is contaminated around here. And then we're going to, on top of that, put this other chemical into it. It makes absolutely no sense. So we've been living from 2008 until now, until now with this situation of trying to get the EPA, the NJDEP, the Borough Council, the Passaic County Freeholders, all, everybody in communication to benefit the residents. I mean, one of the things that I said at the time that they announced the plume was, why didn't you put people in safe housing immediately? I look at this from the human perspective. What's happening to the people on the ground? And what I keep seeing is that people are suffering, that there there are illnesses, people have died. We know there's there, there are uh, two cancer clusters in the plume. We know that these people are currently suffering from mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And this is nine years, nine and a half years later. So why in 2008 weren't we put into immediate safe housing? When Hurricane Irene came through and we lost 27 homes to flooding, the people who lived in those homes or who lived in the homes around them that were severely flooded were immediately put into safe housing. And then FEMA gave the town a bunch of money to buy out those homes. I don't know the particulars of how that was done, but basically those people were able to move on or they were able to rebuild their homes. We've had no such privilege in Pompton Lakes. Basically, it was like, here's a system, we'll put it on, you have to use the polluters contractor, it's either that or these poisons are going to continue to come into your house. No one questioned that the polluter, the EPA and the DEP all knew about this, 
And we know this through a confidential memo that was found by uh, Edison Wetlands in the late 2000s, that all three entities were in conversation about this as early as 2001. So my question is, why didn't they tell us then? Why did they allow residents to be continually poisoned for seven years before they said anything to us personally? And then when they did, they didn't take any emergency steps. They had more than enough time to make a, a, a contingency plan and do this. But it always comes down to the polluter wanting to save money. Wow. Yeah. The plume itself has now become kind of a topic of consideration when it comes to home values. Home values have dropped significantly yes. in that area. Are the people that are living in this plume, are they notified of this? Like, is, is everybody in in that direct area or do they know or have you kind of banded all of them together at do, this they, point? do they know that, that they're in the plume yeah that was done by the dep in 2008 in june of 2008 the dep sent a letter around to every resident whose home that they they believed was affected so, by this okay but i understand that but let's say let's say a house has been sold anybody new moving into that those well houses? i can tell you that that doesn't always happen there's a uh, one woman they're not who, told one woman who regularly comes to the pl cag meetings that's the pompton lakes community advisory group and um she moved in with her children into a home that the real estate agent did not tell her that not only was the home in the plume, but there was no vapor mitigation system on the house. So she now moved in her young children into this home without knowing this. That person is, is still selling real estate. Yeah, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, their license should be revoked. And I don't understand why they were never given any kind of sanction. They were never fined. I just went through the sale of my home. I'll be out two years soon. Right. And, were you, um, you were in there? You yeah, were in I area? was in the plume. I had moved back. Across the street from me. Right, really. right, right. We across the street from each other. And I moved back in, I think it was 2005. 2005. No, 2003, I believe. I had thought that they were cleaning it for 20 years because uh, former Mayor Sinsheimer made sure that the soil contamination removal in DuPont Village was done. All my neighbors, they were, we all thought it was being cleaned up. Right. I kept bugging the new mayor for us to have a special meeting with DuPont. Who was the mayor at that time? Actually, a public meeting with DuPont. Um, The mayor was John Murren. He was a longtime mayor there. I asked him, and what I got, I didn't get this public meeting to hear about, in my mind, all the good things that happened in 20 years. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm thinking, cleanup-wise. I got a special council meeting, which, you know, you get a little public notice in the paper. So nobody really knew about the meeting. So when you sold your house, because you said you sold your house? Yes. When you sold your house, did you tell the people that were buying it? I shared my test result. I didn't want to, number one, it took four years because we were selling it honestly and revealing everything. It took about four years, and we lost about $177,000 on the sale. Because of this? Yes. That's But the fact is is that this is going to keep happening there yeah, yeah. if they don't clean up the vapor intrusion. And the two, the two I mentioned the chemicals, they're trichloroethylene, which mm-hmm. is TCE, and tetrachloroethylene, which is PCE. And they are carcinogenics. I mean, there's no if, buts, or ands about it. And when you're breathing that stuff in 24 hours a day, Uh, it's not healthy. The big thing, because of those, because of the carcinogens that have uh, been in the area, that the big question is why they can't get Pompton Lakes on the Superfund site. And a lot of it, is, uh, it seems to me from what I've read, that a lot of it has to do with they can't necessarily prove that it's that there's cancer clusters in the area. There's been a, a, a big rise in non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in males. There's been a big rise in kidney cancer in females. I don't know that that's the reason that they're not putting it on the Superfund list. I think the reason they're not doing that is because they consider DuPont as the responsible party. As long as they have DuPont there and DuPont is saying, we will foot the bill for the cleanup, they feel that there is no motivation for them to put it on the Superfund list. I I think it's because of local politics backlash, because I've gotten word that that backlash has gone all the way up to the head honchos in Washington, D.C. The goal of the Superfund program, the goal of EPA is to clean up pollution. And if the Superfund program was fully funded and if there was federal intervention in Pompton Lakes, you know, not in 2008, but before the plume migrated, yes. we would not be having this conversation. Absolutely. Exactly and, right. And, and and this is where the question is, DuPont said, don't worry about the plume. Mm. And DuPont was wrong. Right. And if we had the EPA on the ground before that plume migrated and doing a cleanup plan, 
that was independent of DuPont scientists, we would not have a situation where more than 500 homes in Pompton Lakes are compromised and the health of our residents in Pompton Lakes is compromised. And this ultimately comes back to the question of we should not be dependent upon individual citizens to advocate. We need federal representation. That's why we have a Superfund program. That's why we have EPA. And that's why it's critical that all of our congressional members, including Congressman Friedenheisen, come and see sites not only that are on the Superfund list, but that aren't. Mm-hmm. And the congressman is well aware of the impacts of the Superfund program. He does a tour, but he has not toured Pompton Lakes. The same day that we toured Pompton Lakes, we drove all the way across to Sussex, Sussex County, and toured Byram, the Mansfield dump. It's a similar story except for one big difference. The main polluter in Byram was a man named Denny, and (laughs) because it was Denny's dump. Denny's no longer with us. Byram is still stuck with that legacy of contamination, which includes one of the same contaminants, TCE. That contaminant got into the groundwater and impacted a a smaller number of homes, only only 18 homes. But really, (laughs) EPA is, is doing a cleanup in Byron, where they have removed over 12,000 tons of contaminated soil, and they're about to come out with a record decision, essentially the EPA cleanup plan. But you know, the reality is, it, it should be, it should not be harder to clean up a what's considered an orphan site. You know, a site where it was a town dump, right. where the responsible party is no longer with us. It should not be harder to clean up that site than it is to clean up Dupont, a, a site that Dupont has, and Dupont. In the state of New Jersey, none of DuPont sites are on the Superfund list. And so that's part of our concern is that politics should not be part of the national party list. And politics, unfortunately, has become part of that process, partially because EPA does not have enough funding to do its job. And that's why in this current budget, it's not enough to say we're going to hold the line. Right now, we're not even seeing that. We had, uh, you know, the Congress, Congressman Friedenheisen voted for a budget that cut EPA five, by $500 million. It's not enough to hold the, the line. We need a massive increase in Superfund funding and ultimately a reinstatement of the polluter pays principle. And so just to kind of conclude here, you know, this is not a question of whether we can prove there is pollution because even in Tom's River, Linda Gillick worked night and day to prove that the contamination in her drinking water impacted her children's health. And that was litigated from here to kingdom come. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you talk to Linda Gillick, she'll say, yes, my children's health was impacted by Sibagaygi's uh, pollution. But Sibagaygi had a lot of high-powered attorneys, and that's the same battle we see everywhere. And so we shouldn't say, you know, oh, can we prove there's a cancer cluster? We can prove there's pollution. We can prove that it's migrated. And we can prove that that's not something that we want in anyone's home. Very well said. Very yeah. good point. Very, very well said. Very good point. Yeah. And, and with that, I want to kind of get in. I mean, we could sit here and bash DuPont and everybody all day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I want, to get, I want to get more to some of the positive things that your groups have been doing to try and diffuse this problem and, and to, to finally get to reaching some of your goals. I mean, that's, that's like the biggest thing for me is... I want to know the positive stuff, the stuff that you guys have. You want to know a success that we had? Yeah, I would love to know some success stories. All right. Well, we were the first ones in this history of the United States to gain a right, thanks to our former senator, who was an environmental steward, Senator Lautenberg, and also Senator Menendez, gain the right to hire our own private contractors, not only to sample our homes for contaminants, but also to install vapor mitigation systems. I think that's something we can be proud of because it opened up a door possibly for others around the country to say, hey. You said president. Yes, we said president. Why would you want to use the very corporation that polluted your town's choice to design and install a mitigation system or test your home? The other thing that we did, they were only releasing uh, uh, results for a short list of chemicals for our homes. It was 10, it was 10, 10. chemicals, yes. But the, but the list, the actual uh, testing was for 61 chemicals. You had brought, personally, you had brought the petition to Governor Christie when he was running for re-election. Uh, yes, myself side, and right? some of the uh, other environmental groups in the state, a few others. This you was know, before with the me. 2013 election. Right. Before that, because yes. he, he went back on it after that. Right. Yes. Was- Cheryl Rubino, who sits on the CAG, she had a face to face with uh, Governor Christie. Yeah. And he promised that right after the election, he would send a letter of support 
to the EPA a New Jersey letter letter of support, whether it be him or, or Commissioner Martin, to support the designation of Superfund. I don't blame EPA for the lack of the designation. Legally, they might have been able to do it without the state's sanction, but it's never been done before yeah. without the state's sanction. We knew they would do it. And that's why we were pushing to get that letter. The other thing is there was a former uh, congressional candidate that ran and came close to pretty close to beating Freelandheisen. And I believe uh, what he was going to fight for, and he and I had meetings about it, was we need a time limit on these toxic site cleanups throughout our nation. They shouldn't be able to lag on for decades and decades. They should, number one, be cleaned up to the best methods out there, technology-wise, no capping. And number two, you do it in 10 years. And if not, you pay hefty fine. They gave a 20-year timetable, right, the first time? And that was, what, 94? Actually, right? this has been going on since 1982. Yeah, right, but I'm sorry, when they, when, they actually, when they finally admitted there was an issue and they had to clean it up. That was during the tenure 82? of Jack Sinsheimer, so that was 88 to, to 92. That was his, that yeah. was his tenure okay. as mayor. Okay. So, so when they ago. initiated the, the Acid Brook cleanup, the Acid Brook is a, a, a stream that runs from the DuPont property down to the lake. They had dumped lead and mercury and several other heavy metals into the ground, and it, it traveled down the brook into the lake. The, the dredging that's currently going on at Bompton Lake is, is to remove what settled in the lake itself. Right, but back, sediment in there. But right. back then, what he had And done, only partially. And only they're partially, not, yeah. They're not doing it They're all. only doing 39 and acres of a, of, a, of a 200-acre lake. But when Jack Sinsheimer was in office, uh, what he did was he negotiated with the banks and the mortgage companies, the insurance companies, and the polluter and the homeowners, and he basically created a buyout plan. Just did all the legwork. He, he and, and, and his council did all the legwork themselves, and they were able to uh, negotiate this deal. Uh, we've been saying for the past decade that that's what should be done for the, the people in the plume, and I think that should be for any site in the United States where something like this is happening. You, you threaten them in their own homes. You trespass on their property. Right. There's no doubt about it that having these toxic chemicals under our homes is affecting our health. Sure. It should be dealt with accordingly. Yeah. The company should be answering for that. They should be fined. And that money that they fine them with should then go to support the residents in moving out from where they are. There's precedent for this in our town. And, it's, and as, as Lisa said about you know getting the independent contractors, the reason for that was because DuPont had fought three separate lawsuits before that time where residents were calling for some kind of compensation for what they'd been enduring. All three lawsuits, the polluter pressured residents into signing releases in order to hold them uh, unaccountable moving forward. What they didn't tell them at the time was that there was a vapor intrusion problem. So they knew, if you look at the dates of when those releases on those lawsuits were were, uh, signed, it was all after the Mm mid-2000s. So it was all after the EPA, the DEP, and the polluter were already in negotiations. It's a toxic horror story. It is. And one thing that you were talking about is that there's no, there's really no clear timetable on when this will be done no. at this point, right? No, and or at any site. There never has been. <laughs> really, yeah. you know, yeah. the money that we're talking about it's, it's a huge, complicated puzzle. And 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 probably the 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 issue that came about when they uh, created this subsidiary Chemors or Chem. Yeah, the Chemors entire point of that, that was to shift their chemical right, liability so that, right. so that DuPont itself could, could could proceed as a quote-unquote sustainability company. And they could straight out profit off of them, but at the same time, if they go bankrupt, who cares? And let's talk about not- that too, because what they did was in 2015, they announced that they were going to spin off their chemical, chemical liabilities. And uh, Ellen Coleman, the CEO of DuPont at the time, proceeded to sell $37.5 million of her stock. And when Chemors was then approved by the SEC in July of that year. She then retired in October. Hey, yeah, weird. yeah, and it's <laughs> just interesting now they to me. With Dow, yeah, yeah and, and and so, so from from there, you know, so they've already taken their chemical liabilities, put them into a company that its only job is basically to, to clean up all of these toxic sites. Right. And according to the Record newspaper, in 2015, there are 190 sites throughout the country. That's why Pompton Lakes is the poster child because the, this one company has 190 sites throughout the country that are contaminated that need to be cleaned up. And at this point, how many do they have cleaned up of oh, those one night? I don't know the answer to that question. Right. I don't know that I don't know any of them. Not enough. Not, not 190, right? That's yeah. a good yeah. question. That is, is a very good question. Is there one DuPont site yeah. that's ever been cleaned up properly and completely? It's a great that's question. That's a really well, good question. Again, you know, we, we, keep, we keep reiterating poster child. That should be the poster child for them. Like, they clean, clean it up. How'd you do it? How'd you do it in the time frame? Did you do it under budget? I mean, from what I read, you know, it's they said that this cleanup is going to cost uh, $87 million. That's I, 
I heard it was. I heard it was something like 116 or something like that. Maybe this was an old figure, but but even so, I mean, that's 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 a lowball figure for what needs to be done. And and, and what they're doing with that is they're doing a partial cleanup. They're not they're not cleaning up the whole thing. So people are still going to be living with contamination, and that's why Lisa and I do the work that we do. Mike, you know the numbers you're reading is actually the numbers they want to spend. Oh, sure, it's the numbers that are out there. Numbers that are put out. Not what it would really cost to do it the right way. This is yeah. These were the numbers that they said it would. Right. Exactly. Getting back to some of the positive things you guys have done, because again, this is dead end after dead end when it comes to just this one issue. But as you were saying before, there's been a lot of great progress in, in groundswell and, and people being interested in this and, and, and getting involved. Well, in yeah, it. you and I were talking about that off the air before yeah. we started, that, that I'm, one of the things I'm really grateful to NJ11th for is that since I've been working with the people uh, at that organization, we have been seeing a groundswell that we haven't seen in a decade. Even people that belong to national environmental organizations who have helped us in the past are starting to really step up and make it their A-game that they focus on Pompton Lakes and, and, and begin to tell our story, which is something that should have been happening all along. We need a Flint, Michigan moment in Pompton Lakes. We need to have national coverage of this. The only way that this is going to get solved is if we have national attention on the plight of this town and how people have been affected, how people have died. I mean, my own brother went through a bone marrow transplant that basically affected the past two decades of his life, cost a million dollars in healthcare costs. He's still not 100%. He almost died of a very deadly form of leukemia. TCE and PCE also cause neurological disorders, depression. Lung cancer. Um, mm-hmm. but, but getting beyond the cancer. And we have non-smokers that died young and never never smoked. A close friend of mine from uh, high school just died, never smoked a cigarette. They can't blame it on cigarettes. He never <laughs> smoked. But, but yeah. even beyond the cancer, because that's all anybody ever focuses on, because the cancer is the only yeah, thing cool. that the country has a registry on in the, in the uh, ATSDR. There's only a registry for cancers. But neurological disorders, birth defects, autoimmune disorders, depression, Depression. There's all manner Weakening of Weakening of the heart walls. Yeah, that, heart that, that, are, that are caused by these chemicals. Do you guys think that there is any legislation out there today or anything that maybe in the past that got passed around that you kind of look at things differently and if it, if, if it would have been passed, things like this wouldn't have happened? Well, well the uh, polluter tax. Educate me a little bit on the polluter tax. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, the polluter p- pays principle is not just a principle. It was a su- the Superfund program is super because of the polluters tax on petrochemical companies without that's why it's called the super fund and it and it's critical to know that obviously the industry did not support this because it said if we didn't do the pollution we should be held liable well that misses the point because there was a legacy of contamination in this country that impacted communities and is continuing to impact communities and without the polluter pays principle it's essentially having an entire industry ignore its past record of contamination. And without a Superfund tax, it means a Superfund program is no longer super. It has to go through the general fund, and it means it can't do the full cleanup. So one of the reasons that Pompton Lakes is not on the Superfund list, it's not only because of political pressure, it's also because someone at EPA says, man, this is going to cost a ton of money to exactly. clean up. Huh. And exactly. uh, you know, when you look at Byram, for example, that cleanup is in, you know, they're talking about $9 million for that cleanup. Here in Pompton Lakes, you know, $90 million is the low ball offer. Yeah. So, you know, this really gets it at one, how the Superfund program can't work if it's not fully funded and why a polluter pays tax is the best way to ensure that it's effective. But at the end of the day, Superfund only worked because people thought. So I think that's a thing to be reminded by what Jefferson and Lisa are, are talking about is that they've had a lot of successes even if they haven't gotten what is deserved for the community. And that's simply because citizens shouldn't have to do this fight. They should <laughs> exactly. have to do the fight alone. Yeah. Exactly right. They right. should have Congress. They should have congressmen and women. And they should have EPA by their side. And so what we've seen is we've seen a failure from all of these and the governor, for that matter. Absolutely, and I think he he and the local politicians are the our biggest enemies in getting a real cleanup, and right, that right. that's the God's honest truth. And, and Doug, thank you for mentioning that. And I just wanted to say, I don't think that our state environmental groups like Doug Doug O'Malley and the others others that are out there working. 24/7 have ever had to work as hard as they do now based on the pushback, the budget cuts, the discreditizations of environmentalists in our state 
period. Mm-hmm. Our oceans are cleaner because of people like Doug and others, uh, Sierra. Everybody that's working hard, I feel bad for everybody that has to work this hard for us to have a clean life. It's yeah. not fair. It's morally you wrong. It. Yeah. It's so easy. It's it just morally be. wrong. It should be so easy. Well, I mean, you it know, is. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give us a little plug here because, frankly, Lisa and I and, and our fellow residents have been doing this as, on a volunteer level. We don't make right, any money right. doing this, and for Lisa and I in particular, this has been a full time job for a decade. <laughs> Imagine on top of our other work and trying to make enough money to be able what to other survive work for yeah, like right. a long time. Well, yeah, that's the other thing is <laughs> yeah. trying to get work because one of the things yes. that happens when you do this kind of work is people won't hire you. And right, it becomes right, very right. difficult to get to get work. And, and so we've been struggling with this for over a decade. Meanwhile, we have a state agency, the federal agency, the polluter itself, the borough council, the freeholders, all of whom are getting paid for what they do. We're the voice in the wilderness that's right. saying, look, people are sick here. People are dying. People are losing their property values. You need to do something about this. So one of the positive things that's come from that, and this is going back to what I said to you before, because of NJ11th, because of the attention that you folks have been offering us, we've been able to kind of light a spark. I think that is beginning to take, you know, the snow, the snowball is going down the mountain at this point. There's, there's a lot more of this stuff that I think is, is, is going to continue, I hope. And I, I, I definitely thank NJ 11th for that. I thank, you know, um, Jeff Tittle from the Sierra Club and um, Doug O'Malley, um, Mike Aronson from the Environmental um, Defense, Fund. Defense, Defense, Fund. Uh, Defense Action Fund. And I know I'm leaving people out, but I mean, just all these people that are all of a sudden even though many of them have helped us before, that they are really upping their game and they're really making this a priority, which it it it, it really is is, I think, one of the most positive effects of all of the work that we've done cumulatively. This is all over. It's not just one company. We have to stop them from dissecting our environmental laws that are meant to protect us. Absolutely, we need them to strengthen strengthen them. I don't really pay attention as much with the laws and the regulations and everything because I don't have the time to. I wish I do. I sign on to letters that come my way and everything. But I mean, I'm more than sure Doug can tell you they've already started to hurt us. Yes. I think no one should be famous for the pollution under their homes. And so, <laughs> exactly. wow. I just, exactly. I, thank I, you for saying that. Yeah, thank, yeah, you. Yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yes. I, and I, I couldn't, you know, echo what Jefferson and Lisa are saying more because the reason we're having this conversation is because citizens in Pompton Lake said, this is not good enough. We are not being told the truth. We want to fight and we're not going to take trust us for an answer. Yeah. And the irony of this is that there's an old saying, right? You know, it's darkest before the dawn. Mm-hmm. And right now it feels really dark. Yeah. And it, and it should because these are dark days for our environment. Yeah. And But what Jefferson is talking about is true. We've seen a tremendous outpouring from the public saying, I care about the environment. And I never thought there'd be cutbacks like this or rollbacks. And the the town halls that have occurred across the 11th district, it's not just 50 people showing up or even 100. It's in the hundreds. And that is remarkable. And that's also a moment of truth, really, for Congressman Frielenheisen, because we would like the congressman to be a champion for the Superfund program and a champion for the environment in a way that stands up for us and stands up against the rollbacks in the Trump administration. That is the moment of truth that I think the congressman faces because all those votes that you referenced earlier, for the most part, people don't know what happens down in Washington, but people Mm -hmm. do know what happens in their communities. And one of the goals that we're starting to see is that it's not just Pompton Lakes anymore. People are in the district and from across North Jersey are saying, hey, we should care about this because if it happens there, maybe it happens where I live. Mm-hmm. You know, you never want to use fear as a motivator, <laughs> but that's what we're starting to see is that our environmental laws didn't just happen. They happened because people marched on Washington. Our Superfund program didn't just happen. It happened because oh, you wow. had citizens up in the Love Canal that made it a national issue. She actually, yeah. uh, Lois actually yeah. locked the EPA in, in her house. I love that yeah. story. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. couldn't get away with doing that today, yeah. but she kept them <laughs> she kept them locked in her house. That's a great. Yeah. Because she wanted a buyout for 750 homes. One person I want to thank that I left out of that list before is Matt Smith from uh, Food and Water Watch because it was because of a talk that I did recently with uh, him and Jeff Tittle. I think we're even sitting here right now today because I, I had spoken with, I know you and I had discussed doing this at one point, yeah. but that's when I met Elizabeth from NJ11th and, and she really pushed for this a lot and I'm very grateful to her as well. So I, I just want to 
give a shout out to them because I, I really think that it's it's so important that more people hear this story and that they yes, really understand absolutely. that this is this is something that's happening not just to us but it's probably happening to you on some level and you're just not aware of it. I, I think you're right. More people do need to hear about the story because just like Doug, just like you said, you know, hey, it happens here, it happens, it happens in any town, it happens in 190 sites across the country. Yeah, yeah. Where's where's the closest one to me? Oh, wait, right in my backyard. That sucks. <laughs> well, exactly right. And, and you know, and, and once you find out it's in your backyard, who put it there? Why did they put it there? Right. How long ago did they put it there? DuPont's on scientists in 1957. This is according to Jack Sinsheimer in a public meeting in 2009. There was a 1957 memo that was sequestered in, one, in the very first lawsuit about the acid brook. And it said that DuPont's on scientists advised them, do not dump on the hill above the residential area because it's going to move down the valley. It's going to contaminate the residents' homes. 1957. Wow. So, yeah, okay. So then flash forward to 1982 when the DEP is finally saying, okay, now you need to clean this up. Then flash forward another 35 years, and here we are today. It still isn't cleaned up. They still haven't fully tested everything. The one thing they haven't done is clean up their own property, which means every, all the cleanup that they're doing in, in our neighborhood and at the lake, what's going to happen if the the things that are at the DuPont property then come down and, and, and further contaminate after they've cleaned these areas up. And if you're going to do this over so many years, it's going to take decades to (laughs) do it, then you need to give the residents that are living there the option to leave. And and you need to support them financially to do that because you've caused the problem. We could go on for days and days. It's overwhelming to a lot of people. It really is. It really is overwhelming. Well, here's what what I want to do, and this is another positive thing Mm -hmm. um, that I want to instill upon everybody that's listening and anybody that's that's with with your groups and stuff. Mm -hmm. I want to know, to kind of wrap up and, and do a little little summary about everything. Another positive thing I want is how can people get involved? Obviously, how can people get involved with your groups, but also, Doug, with the, the things that you do, not only here in this district, but around the state. Get Information, uh, the Pompton Lakes Community Advisory Group, we meet as often as we can now. Uh, we used to meet bi-monthly, www.pomptonlakescag.org, Citizens for Clean Pompton Lakes. It's an old website. Lots of information on there, though. The ccpl.org. And then we have the plrei.org. And we're on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, same with our organization. It's uh, um, Pompton Lakes Residents for Environmental Integrity. It's plrei.org. And one of the things that I think, if it's okay, if I mention this, yeah. we, we need financial support. We are absolutely go ahead. deeply struggling. Sure. All three groups are deeply struggling. It's it's hard to pay for our website and our, po- our PO boxes. And that's because we're relying on the donations of residents who've been coming to these meetings for a decade. And, you know, they give what little they can. But we're talking about going up against a monolithic, multi-billion dollar international corporation, a federal agency, a state agency, and trying to get some real grassroots work done on literally no budget. Uh, We need help. So if there's anybody out there who can donate to our organizations, you can reach me at J. H. LaSala, L-A-S-A-L-A, at P-L-R-E-I dot org. And you can reach the Pompton Lakes CAG at uh, Pompton Lakes... C-A-G at yahoo.com. Okay. I think one of the things that people can do to help us is that they can contact the NJDEP and say that this is unacceptable. The, NJ, the NJDEP has not been present for a public meeting in Pompton Lakes in several years. Since 2011. I'm looking at the NJDEP website right now, and they have uh, the general information line, yeah. um, which is toll-free, 866-DEP-KNOW. Yeah. Uh, also, there's the environmental emergency Hotline. The I've called that before. <laughs> yeah, I have to. You might have an emergency. I, I have it in I my phone right to. here. One eight seven seven Warn D E P. One eight seven seven W A R N D E P. And and also, you know, uh, contact the EPA. Tell them that you're not happy with what's going on in Pompton Lakes. Tell them you think that it's unfair. Even if you don't live in Pompton Lakes, we need support. We and need call our senators swell. and our congressmen. Absolutely. One other thing I wanted to mention: when I'm going to go vote in November, I want to know the environment environmental platforms of each and every person I'm voting for. Mm-hmm. So we need, as a, as a district, NJ11, NJ11 can do this, get all of our candidates for our district into a room and let's focus on the environmental questions. And then I want to make an executive decision on who I'm going to vote for. Right now, idea. they're all backing off the environment. They're not saying much. We need that kind of a platform. But I think it's a brilliant idea. If you're not going to fight for us while you have the opportunity to do it now, what makes you think I'm going to believe that you're going to do it for me after right. I give you my vote? I right. will not give you my vote if that's the basis. So any of the candidates out there who are listening to this, 
wise up, listen yeah. up, because if you want to get the vote it's of the people important. in Pompton Lakes that are that are looking for some kind of a remedy for this situation, then you need to step up and you need to speak about the environment and you need to tell us how you're going to help us moving forward. You know, local fights are won on the local level and local organizations need support. But the battle we're facing, obviously, is broad Mm -hmm. and it's statewide, uh, and that's really our mission. We want to be representing the people's voice in Trenton on all of these issues. And so if people want to learn more about what's happening, can go to our website. It's Environment New Jersey, all spelled out, including (laughs) newjersey.org.org. And then I, I would recommend that people sign up for our mailing list and our email list, because that gives you a good idea of the issues that we're facing both on the state and federal levels. I'd also say, you know, look, you need to become more civically involved. Go to your local town council meeting. Ask your council members what's their priority and your mayor what their priorities are on the environment. Call your legislators. Ask what they're doing. In many ways, government can work for us, but we have to ask them to. And that's why doing the outreach to EPA, doing the outreach to DEP, calling our congressional offices, these things matter because if we're not taking the time, and this is less if you live in an affected community, this is for you, the listener at home. If you care about the environment, you need to get civically engaged and you need to let our decision makers know, whether it be the EPA or anybody else, that the environment matters to you and you need their help. Nice. Well right. said. Well and, said. And I'll tag on to that New Jersey 11th for Change. Dot org. That's also the organization that uh, is sponsoring this podcast. Get involved with them because they're great for the 11th District. They really, really do a lot of great work. And I want to thank you guys, all three of you, for all the great work that you guys have done thus far with your organizations. I think everything you guys are doing is, is incredibly important and got to continue it. And it's just... It's a mess out there, guys. <laughs> I just, I, you know, I, I, I want to I put a positive spin on the well, end of this. We're doing what we can to clean it end, up. Yeah, you know, that's good. We can. But thank you guys for being here. Really, really appreciate it. This has thank been a lot you, of fun. Mike. This was great. This was absolutely great. Got a lot of great information out there, and I hope I hope it turns some heads and gets you guys some, some more involvement. Thank Super. You. Thank, thank, you, thank you, Mike. Thank you for caring yeah, enough thank to you. have us. Yes, okay. thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Mike. All right, so next month uh, we'll be back, hopefully. I, you know, we skipped a month there, but hopefully we'll be back next month with another episode of uh, The 11th Hour. Thanks very much.